everybody. This is Issa Cosette, and you are listening to Issa's Way, your favorite podcast that you didn't know existed, you didn't know you needed, but we're so glad you're here. And this week, we have a very special guest. He is Aaron L. Sabarut, the amazing writer, poet, artist, activist. Once you have sipped his tea of life, you are able to recognize your power, your ancestral truth. And it's been an honor to connect, you know, and get to know him through Obsidian, the place that has the dopest Black people all over the world. Um, Aaron was in group A with me and every day, his feedback, his poems, his life is just like so, so many things we could connect with. And as I'm seeking, I like take all of his suggestions. I like even ordering books of poetry just now before we turn on the mic. I'm like, who are you reading? Okay, what do I need to buy? Aaron, how are you doing today? Oh my God, Issa, first of all, just like honored to be here. So excited to talk to you. I feel like our connection is so, it's so like humbling and fascinating to see how like we're all building connection over like video platforms right now in this wild way. I'm doing good. It's raining outside for the first time in many weeks. My seedlings have been planted and are starting to germinate and I am super excited. I'm taking like a restful, excited day, which feels like a really good vibe to come into this podcast because I'm like, I'm chill, but I'm also hype at the same time. <laughs> right, How are you doing? Up. I'm good. I, I, I'm glad that you mentioned the rain because like every full moon, I try to plant, you know, sow some seeds because I feel like that's when they're going to try to do its best to grow. And these past two months that we've been sowing our seeds, every time we sow them, it rains. But then like usually after that, it doesn't. So it's just like, Thank you for, you know, bringing the rain and thank you for sowing your seeds. I'm excited. Like the connections are so real. Um, tell the people just a little bit about yourself, you know, before we get into the question. So as you said, um, I live on unceded Salinas territory. I've been living here for about a year. Um, i super grateful to just be like living on an island in the Pacific Northwest. It's pretty wonderful. It's a big island. Yeah. As she said, I'm a poet. Um, I also make a webcomic called Lunar Phase, um, which is about transformations of many kinds. I'm an illustrator. I, I currently work as a kind of somewhere between a lawyer and a legal educator. I help incarcerated folks and their outside family and friends um, navigate legal issues that they may be experiencing while incarcerated and kind of teaching them about the legal system and empowering them because I, yeah, have always been inspired by how people who are in the middle of an experience actually know so much more about it than anyone who is an expert or has a degree about it. They just need to be given the tools and the language to like put their brilliance to work. Look at that. Like you just coming up with gems. And I, I think that's amazing as you say, having someone who has that experience and I feel like, you know, you as a writer like you get to embody and embrace so many different experiences and I think the fact that you're being able to use all of your experiences and your gifts it's like beautiful and I want to know maybe is there anything challenging about being able to tap into so many you know uh, experiences and gifts and 
how do you still create? How do you show up and still serve your community? One thing that comes to mind for me is the feeling of being pulled in many directions. I feel like I'm definitely a person who has a lot of different pursuits. My partner and I joke because my partner is an artist um, professionally and I'm a lawyer professionally. So we joke that we both have many practices um, that like I have a law practice and I have a webcomic practice and I have a poetry practice and I have a painting practice. Um, and I think that, and a gardening practice, you know, and a, and a doing shit in the streets practice and like all of these things sometimes can pull your attention in different ways and have different time commitments and sleep schedules associated with them. Um, but I think it's good. Like one thing that I was reflecting on also while you were talking is like, you know, those of us who have what I guess people call like intersectional experiences, you know, who like experience marginalization or, or difference from the norm in many ways have like such an intense ability of self-criticism that I think is both really valuable and I've been reflecting personally is like sometimes not that valuable um, and kind of harmful because like I feel like I always have had the ability as someone who like lives on the margins of gender and like to a certain extent like lives kind of in like a liminal position with regard to like North American ideas of race and like also like someone who grew up Muslim and who has like Muslim cultural baggage but I'm like I don't even know if I had to use one word what I would describe my spirituality as anymore I don't know it just like I feel like those experiences have helped to open me up to be like okay I have to question my own experience and I have to question like what I have been told and what I have learned about other people's experience too. And like, listen to them questioning their own experience most of all, because they're like doing it from the inside with all of the information. And I feel like we have different experiences that allow us to tap into different forms of understanding. So maybe what spiritual practices, you know, that you do accept helped you get into the right headspace to write, to create, to connect? Hmm. I think that I spent a very long time, as I mentioned, I grew up Muslim. And um, when I was in middle school, I went to like a Muslim religious school in Egypt. Um, so it was pretty intense, not least because it was uh, gender segregated. Like I was in an all girls class. Uh, kind of weird being the only boy in an all girls class. Uh, but anyway, there was like, the experiences that I had, particularly the last couple of years that I lived in Egypt were extremely religious in nature. And, you know, like this was during the time when I turned 12 and then 13, many things changed with my body that I didn't have the language to think about. And so when I finally had the ability to understand myself as trans, it like was so strongly in opposition to like my religious upbringing and, and like the things that I had been taught to believe that I think it made me think that like spirituality as a whole was not for me um, because my only experiences of spirituality had been, you know, like religion with a capital R, you know? 
Um, and I think a lot of things have really helped to kind of change my direction. Um, I think that again, like I just have a lot of gratitude to the folks who are navigating their own journeys and speaking openly about it. I think like, you know, whether it's friends who have been talking about like learning about Ife and like other friends who are talking about their like indigenous spiritual traditions and like other folks talking about like, I guess I'm a witch now. Like I, I started to develop this idea of spirituality as being, you know, like about creating personal ritual and relationship with the land, with ancestors, with, you know, the people around you, including non-human people. Um, that it started to feel more promising and open to me. And, you know, um, my partner has sort of helped me along that in that, like, they're a person who incorporates ritual into their life in a way that, like, I definitely never used to. Um, and so, like, thinking about rituals of, you know, that feel really practical too, like rituals of planting seeds and then, like, pressing the seeds into the earth with your feet, you know, rituals of timing it. We were discussing just before, you know, like timing seed planting with the moon and like timing it with the weather. And like, in some ways, you know, it has sort of like a magical or mystical quality about it when you do stuff like that. And in other ways, it's very grounded and practical. And so that kind of spirituality was very different than the like, man standing at the front of the room preaching in fact you know growing up muslim and being designated female it wasn't even the room that i was in there where the man was standing at the front and preaching um and you know it just it was a totally different idea of spirituality that i'm just starting to learn about and i feel you know so in like strongly my own youngness and like earliness in this knowledge but it feels really grounding to be like okay my ritual for writing is making tea <laughs> you know um one of our one of our mentors during the obsidian fellowship nick was um you know really strongly impressed on us the metaphor of writing poetry is making tea and i am a tea addict like period so i I actually do like make tea and sit down and like write the poem and then in, usually in my sketchbook and then like, you know, like just leave it. And then there's like a whole nother ritual for the like typing up process, which is the first round of revisions. And like, I don't know, what are, what are your practices around that? I'm actually really curious. The main of my writing, you know, am I showing up practice is like, really dealing with what happened to me th through that day because I feel like mm -hmm. I'm like you said I'm pulled in so many different directions at all times you know how do I use my power to be able to do the best that I can so like I write it um and it's so funny because you, literally this is like what I was thinking this is like you're pulling it out to me because I was literally laying down thinking about <laughs> this like oh, this is terrible but like and if I were to die, right? Like, would I burn all of the things before I die? Or would I like just leave it so that people can actually understand, you know what I'm saying? The true writing that went behind, you know what I'm saying? The things that get published, because I feel like, like what we write on physical paper versus what shows up through the Edison drafts are different pieces, right? Um, so what would they say? And I also thought about like, 
it's been almost 10 years of me actively almost writing every day, you know? So like mm-hmm. when that 10 year comes, what would I do with all of that writing and all of those journeys? So that is in my mind. And that is like my daily, my daily practice. <laughs> it's weird. It's not like you want to get, it's not actively thinking about it being a poem, but actively getting the writing out. You know what I'm saying? Cause the, the work, the poem will come, it's there in the writing. We just have to make it pretty. Yeah, that's so cool and interesting. First of all, that question, like, uh, that's such an interesting thing to think about. I'm I'm a sketchbook person because I also draw a lot. And so the same notebook contains like drawings, work notes, my schedule, poems, like, and not even necessarily like poems. One thing that honestly Nick dragged me about a couple of weeks ago, um, we had like a like a little a little meetup and um he showed up which I was a bit surprised by and he I read a poem and he was like I can tell that you're the kind of person who writes poems because you don't know how you're feeling and I was like what Ah!" not not because he was wrong (laughs) or vindictive but because like as he so astutely pointed out even I had not realized that. <laughs> um, and so sometimes like, you know, if someone were to go through my sketchbook, I think the things that they would see in there would like, even ones that ultimately became published pieces would not even be recognizable as poems or as, I mean, good luck reading my handwriting, first of all, but like, <laughs> But you know, I, I was actually reading something by Norbelisa Philip and um, she was saying like, you know, I think, and I think, you know, maybe one day when we're brave enough when we say, you know, bump all these, you know, Westernized tradition of what is writing, right? And how certain things should appear. Um, like her book Zong, like there's there, the way that she just places words over, over the page, right? The way how she says one should read or approach is like, we don't have to read the way, you know what I'm saying? Even in even in Arabic, it's not read, you know what I'm saying, left to right. So even you, you know, you tap into this and, and bring this all into your poetry as well. But like, there's no right way for us to write. We just have to write. And once we do it and put it out into the world, other people will be able to receive it and be inspired by it, you know? And that's one thing that you constantly did in, in Obsidian is like showed us work that, wasn't something that I had access to. And so that was for me and being able to hear your work. And I'm like, okay, these connections. So I think, you know, when, when, when people may call us out, but also make us, like you said, name the things or make us identify certain situations that just allows us to grow a little bit, you know, develop some skills and, you know, language, landscapes, you know, queerness are essential, like things that appear in your poetry, you know, what other things are, why do you think it's also important for you to talk about your, Egyptian, American, multinational experience, you know? <laughs> I Yeah, I don't know. I think, first of all, like, the element of language is a big part of it. Uh, like, I had actually never tried that before. Um, during Obsidian, I wrote a poem that I actually wrote in Arabic and then translated into English, something which I had never tried before. Um, I have tried to write poetry in Arabic and in my opinion, it's atrocious. <laughs> um, but it's so interesting because I went through so many phases in my life where I went back and forth between languages. Um, I 
also have written poems that have sections in French, um, not because I speak French exceptionally well, but because at many points during my life, I was made to learn French. Um, and so I think it's really interesting, you know, one thing that I have been thinking about with language and about identity in general is like who gets to claim what and like who has enough, you know, what, what I'm now realizing is just like cultural capital to claim an identity is actually not useful to us because it just like puts in these you know like ideas about like who is really this and what does it mean to be this you know like as someone who has lived in North America most of their life oftentimes I feel like oh well I'm not supposed to represent Egyptianness especially because as a trans person I feel like many Egyptian people would disavow me you know and like fuck you like that's all, like can I swear I feel like that's all I can say honestly like our experiences are so layered so different and like as as someone who is an abolitionist and an anarchist at heart like I just don't think that the categories mean anything and like by by trying them on by inhabiting them by discarding them by checking them out to see what they're worth and then you know like moving beyond them I don't know I just like to question I think my work like I really try to question identity itself in in many ways I think gender is one strong way but also racial identity cultural identity linguistic identity like religious identity it's all you know a distraction from who we are as people what are what the quality of our relationships is like and what we're doing in the world <laughs> it limits us but I know you always break barriers. You always question things. And one way to hear how you move and think is I know you have a poem to share with us today. Uh, I do. This piece is called Fairy Boy. Watch the water wander by. Catch reflections of yourself in security cameras, black eye. Parks of dog shit and ice slick cement. Children catch cold plastic bars, ricochet back and forth. Islands of mansions for miles. Don't you ever wonder where rich people come from? How they got here? Who, how their ancestors disappeared? And yours? As for his, the fairy boy, he can't re-remember them. It's all just water to him. Jade fading into blue, fading into gray sky. No service, the dead zone. A series of metal containers between us and the water. Water, I scrubbed it from my pores. Water pouring from the upper deck, water. Crusted all inside of me, sealed off wax caps like whale blubber, fairy boy, land blubber. He rubbing on rocks, he love them, lichen leaves or fingers fusing, crawling over skin into crevice and widening, probing, creating an entrance where before there was none. Land tub and boy, drum, he drum his insides from the stone. Another boat passes alongside, two ships traveling against the gray, exchanging sodium light across the rippling stillness. Mountain distance lists your hand warm through my jeans. I just want to lay on your window. Charles Bradley sex scream spread open arms and bellies. He's I'm we're drifting together. Fairy boy pink eared peeking under cap. You're braiding your hair over the headrest. Eyebrow pencil island girl behind squints and laughs. He's huddled against the bench. Arm rest and rests paws outstretched on asphalt boat deck. 
The ferry rumbles its own rhythm, pounding deep under the water, the whales whistling along to our, our base, hibernating till the arrival announcement wakes us. Departure Bay, where the woods leave, list down straight and float across the jet stream, freighters like paper airplanes, solder, only white decks rising from black hulls divide the horizon, anchors scraping the reef, displace starfish. Ferry boy take out curry, his car full of boxes, steam dripping down the boat ramps, grease handprints, the windshield, the highway, water running at the speed of flickering light, coriander, chili, and turmeric, warm car atmosphere, the seagulls swoop beside to catch a whiff, ferry boy steam rice and drift. Yes, a transformation in this water fairy boy. <laughs> I love that. I love the movement. I saw, like, you know, I don't know. To me, if I like the rhythm of the poem was like the flapping of the wings, you know, just flying, just like him, just like just trying to, like, you know, sometimes like it was like a slower fat trying to find that balance, you know, as you were just going different to different transitions and seeing him with like, um, and the and the the I am you and we are drifting and I think as we are in transformation as we're like you know trying to find our way through the waters right as we're connecting to um, just that movement um, you represent you know your self and experience I'm like there's connections that I would see and I'm like okay this can okay the whale the whistling the water like you know the ancestral we're, we're it's all real it's all powerful and your work is beautiful just as you and um, it's just an honor yeah. to be here. <laughs> you know you're working again man it's just like woo, my brain it's like I, I feel like i'm about to be flying for the rest of the day <laughs> thank you so much i i really appreciate it i yeah i don't know i honestly so much of my poem re poetry recently has been based on just like the experience of being in the ocean um because i live on an island i ride the ferries a lot um shout out to bc ferries <laughs> Um, but like, yeah, I don't know, like as a person who grew up in the desert, like many different deserts is the other thing, like, you know, like when I was a very young child on the deserts of Texas, and then I lived in the desert of Egypt, and then I lived in the desert of Qatar, and then I lived back in Egypt, and then I lived in the deserts of California, and like, I also lived in New Mexico for a time, like, I am a desert person, like, uh, like, it's so like the experience of being around so much water is unsettling. The last time I lived in the Pacific Northwest, it felt exactly the same way. Like I feel unsettled. I feel like, you know, <laughs> like my body is like dissolving into the water and that like something else may come out of it. <laughs> Look, and I was about to say, and how are you on your way, Erin? <laughs> <laughs> it's a way i just don't know what the outcome is and i think that's like i don't know i feel like that's the whole thing about journeys and transformations is that like we can set a goal like we can pick a mountain on the horizon to start walking toward but like will we get there how will we get there like I feel like if I were to describe physically my way, it would be like a path in the woods. You don't know if it was made by a human or a deer or a bear. You like trying to figure out based on the context and you just following it. Cause you know, it will lead somewhere that like, 
the people who have been there before you have had similar goals and similar destinations and that by starting out following those paths you'll end up somewhere cool as you know <laughs> tell the people where can they connect with you where can they support your stuff Word. So my comic is at bit.ly lunar dash face um, and it updates monthly or so. <laughs> um, I also am, I don't know, I've been going through a phase of like closing down all of my social media. So the main platform I use is actually Mastodon. Um, so if folks are on Mastodon, um, I'm at to reach poise at mastodon.art and Sayed underscore ishta um, i'll give you the spelling uh, <laughs> at eldritch.cafe um, i also have an instagram it's also to reach poise but uh, i check it at this point every three months because people still send me messages on it <laughs> but yeah i also have a website um aaron elsabrute.myportfolio.com show him love show him support um, buy him a coffee, you know, and help yeah. with the comments, the comments, the, um, the art, the poetry, and even if you want to send seeds so that we can watch them grow, that, you know, Please. we will be able to reap all the benefits and we'll be able to harvest things that we plant with our seeds once you like, like once you make the tea. So it just takes, <laughs> it takes time. Thank you so much for sharing a little bit of your story with me, Erin. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Issa. It's been such a pleasure. I feel like you've been pouring into me so much and I'm so grateful. That's what we are here for, you know, to celebrate each other along our way to be community, you know, to connect and realize that these rituals they kind of right you know what i'm saying we got to find the right ones though right <laughs> mm. it, takes, it takes time mm. to discover it takes time to find our power and just trust your process make the tea and know that you are on your way wherever that is until next time this is isa cosette y'all be blessed mm.